If you have thyroid eye disease and you can't get any shut eye because you can't shut your eyes, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need to know involving USA Curling and more. It's the 12th In Sports Network's The Extra Extra In Podcast with hosts Price Atkinson and Jenna Martin. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, club spotlights, and more. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's The Extra Extra In Podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Jenna. All right, welcome into the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. I'm Price Atkinson, joined as always by my co-host Jenna K. Martin. As we ring in the new year with you here on January the 2nd as we record on Thursday evening. And Jenna, welcome back into the podcast in our first episode in 2020. How did you ring in the new year? Oh boy, it's really underwhelming, Price. Um, underwhelming. So I had my mom. Underwhelming. Uh, it was actually a really good night. I had my mom over, which turned into my in-laws coming over, and we made some dinner. We drank some Crown Royal, and it was kind of a, a weird feeling being the one to put the parents to bed first because they maybe overindulged. But it was fun. It was. It was nice to be in my own home and not worry about the crowds and going out or anything like that. So that's impressive that you were killing off a couple bottles of Crown Royal with your parents. Not that drinking with your parents isn't fun. It is fun. But the <laughs> fact that something tells me that the I know you tweeted out about signing up for a half marathon, I'm going to say that had to have been at least half a bottle in of that said bottle of Crown Royal. Oh my gosh. Yep. I, I did sign up for a half marathon. I will admit that alcohol was involved in that decision, but just got home from another run tonight. I, I don't regret it yet. I'm sure I will once the runs get longer, but what'd you do for the new year? Um, we, my kids and I, we, we set off and headed north to Charlotte, North Carolina, and we rang in the afternoon by watching my alma mater, the Kentucky Wildcats, win a second straight bowl game, coming back on basically almost the last play to beat Virginia Tech in the belt bowl, hustled home, and yes, had to hustle home, didn't even stay for the trophy presentation in the very last play of the game to make it official, had to hurry my son home because his basketball coach decided to have a basketball practice for his eight and under team from seven to eight. So we had to get home for that and finally sat my down in uh, my rear end in a chair about nine o'clock and was able to indulge in a few libations. But it was a um, it was definitely a good start to the new year, especially with sports as Kentucky beat Louisville and basketball and you know certainly uh, winning a bowl game is always good. And then Clemson's playing in the national championship game, so so I can't complain, Jenna. But I got to tell you right now, we you need a I need a drum roll from you. Can we get a drum roll because we have got radio royalty podcasting royalty joining us tonight this is going to be his first appearance a drum roll please jenna um anything you can do there you go thank you the godfather himself joe calabrese the co-founder of the 12th in sports network we would not be broadcasting across these airwaves if it were not for him the godfather himself has returned joe welcome in for the first time my friend 
Hey, Price, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Boy, we're just two days into the new year, and my resolution has already come true. I get to do a podcast with the Jetta K. Martin <laughs> for, <laughs> you know, uh, for jumping in as co-host this year. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know. Thanks for having me, guys. New Year's resolutions are a quick hot take out of the out of the gate here. New Year's resolutions are the just the dumbest thing because you never nobody ever holds to them. How do, how many people do you know that have held to a New Year's resolution? At least in terms of you know not so much like a bucket list, but I'm going to work out five days a week for the whole year. I don't know anybody that has successfully completed a resolution of that ilk. It's all about time frame, isn't it, Price? I mean, if your New Year's resolution is to lose weight over the course of like two weeks, somebody might be able to do that. But you know, over the course of a year, I don't know too many people who do that. All right. Well, Jenna had a uh, had a blog post uh, what yesterday about ringing in the new year. Not so much resolutions, but I got to tell you, Jenna, every time you and I do this and we podcast, I we're brought closer together. Not just because of the time we spend, but because of these different things we find out about each other. You know that we love, our, you know, both our mutual love for Tim Hortons, among many other things that we found out along our journey this year. But finding out you failed your driver's test the very first time, like I did, it just had me endeared to you once again. Get out of here! What part got you? Um, I didn't even make it to the driving portion. Let's just put it that way. Oh boy, Price. <laughs> Yeah, leave that one right there. But yeah, I just was, uh, I was in deer. Actually, I did get to the driving portion. Um, it was the, um, I didn't make it to the parallel parking part, which was the very end. I don't know how your driving tests go there in Wisconsin, but the parallel parking is at the very end. I did not even get to attempt that part in my first test. Sounds like that's probably for the best. Yes, it is. But it's not I, easy. I wonder. I always wonder why you jump in the passenger seat when we when we go to nationals, you know. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with wanting to be chauffeured. I promise you that. Is is Jerry Gertz does not let me drive very often uh, when we go when we're up at the slams because he says you don't know how to drive in this kind of weather. I'm like, dude, we get more ice down here than snow any day. I know full well how to drive in that stuff. Yes, I know you guys live in the cold weather central, which again it's going to be about almost seventy degrees here today. I'm not going to rub that or tomorrow. I'm not going to rub it in, but. Look, we got the Godfather here. We got a lot to get to um, because when we last left you, uh, we had a couple teams at Kurosawa over in Japan. Want to recap that? Also, uh, what maybe some of our top five USA curling moments were from this past year of 2019. We'll want to look back a little bit here in this first segment before we look ahead in the final segment. After we have uh, a guest interview with Madison Bear, the skip of Team Bear. At Bear Down Curl, I talked with her just a little earlier today as they are beginning the challenge round tomorrow in Mapleton, Minnesota, as they will be one of eight women's teams vying for one of the three final spots in the USA Curling Nationals, which, of course, that uh, TESN, Joe, BA, myself, we will be on hand, and hopefully Jenna will also be on hand. We're working on that as we speak to bring you the action from wall-to-wall week in Spokane, Washington, Joe. And, Joe, uh, we were chatting a little bit earlier. It's literally weeks away now as you turn the calendar into January. I mean, we are going to be in Spokane uh, heading out before you know it. I mean, January is going to fly. It always does. Yeah, absolutely. I was just letting you know, you know, we're getting ready. We're we're starting to pack up all our – handling it from uh, Brian's – spare bedroom uh, studio and we're going to put it on a truck and 
send it out to Spokane and then uh, unload it and get it all ready to go. Hopefully we won't need any spare tires to balance the overhead cameras this week. Yeah, I hope not, and I hope Jenna will be able to join us. We, we, I think we're going to have that all worked out. Um, but that will be that will be a bucket list for me to have Jenna at nationals on the other side with us this year. But we will find out. We will get more of that here, just taking care of in the next couple of weeks, right, Jenna? But you know, as as I talked with Madison Bear earlier, I did hear. I you know, and that's something that I think people are going to be interested. She dissed on Jenna K. Martin here earlier today when I asked her because you guys obviously played together. Said, so what is something? Give us something that our listeners would not know about Jenna. And she said, Price, there's probably about a hundred things, but she would be embarrassed. I said, Embarrassed? She doesn't get embarrassed over anything. The only time I've ever seen her embarrassed was when I made her made her take a picture with her young bucks at. That is the only thing I've seen. Oh, I've only seen her ever get embarrassed. But she did d- give us a tidbit on one thing that we would not know about you. And you're gonna have to. Everybody's gonna have to stay tuned. Yes, it's a tease. Yes, you got to hang on and keep listening for that interview in the next segment. But it's a good one. When we last left you, uh, the Kurosawa International was going on over in Japan. And just real quick, uh, shout out to uh, Team Schuster and Team Peterson. Yes, the former Team Roth. Obviously, Nina has stepped away for the rest of the year. Congratulations! Is there her and her husband are expecting their first child uh, coming up here in probably a matter of what weeks? Uh, I think this month or next. But Tab obviously skipping that team now, and they went on and had a great run there in Kurosawa. Both teams winning bronze medals. So, congratulations to both of them. Um, we're going to get into a lot of things in the last segment about what's ahead uh, coming up here in the next couple weeks, uh, especially what's going on right now with the challenge rounds. Is the field for nationals is going by this time next week? It will be set for the men's and women's side. So we're going to talk about that in the final segment. But in, before we go up, move forward and, and look ahead, I did want to look back, Joe and, and Jenna, because. So obviously, so much happens during the course of, of a season, and you know the year, just the year of 2019. I'm not talking about you know the season of 2019 and 20. I'm looking at just more the year of 2019, and a lot of stuff obviously you know, clearly went down. And you know, I kind of came up with a list of about five things that that stood out to me. Um, is is kind of some of the biggest, the the top USA curling moments from the year, and I'm kind of curious to cross-reference maybe some of your notes, what you might have for a top five. What do you guys think? Do you think you can put together five with me? You know, I, I have a five uh, list of five here. I think that we could uh, work off pretty easily, and I'm sure it's different than yours, which is what's, what makes a good top five list. All right, Jenna, you think you can I, hang here? I think I might have to uh, cheat off your guys' tests a little bit. I have a list of three that I'm pretty proud of, but – Maybe you guys will help jog my memory of my final two. All right. Well, here I'm gonna give you a couple honorable mentions. Okay. These are uh, these are just these did not make the list, but these are just honorable mentions. Um, you know, Jenna K. Martin's retirement from the high performance program. Uh, that that would be one of those uh, moments. It was a uh, defining moment as you decide you want to join us here on the extra extra end. So to me, that is a personal top moment. I think. Um, Another one, uh, and I hate to bring this one up in this way, but Team Seneca are fighting their way into the playoffs at Nationals last year. Jenna, you know, they got past you guys in that last, what, that last game to qualify. 
um, and advanced to the top three. I, just because they were they, the way they played, they scrapped and they clawed, and, and just the fiery way that they play, uh, that was another lasting image. And you know, one of the final ones, just real quick on honorable mention side of things, is the recent announcement of the Olympic trials is going to be returning to Omaha in, in 2021. Yes, that's next year already. Uh, those were just some of the ones that honorable mention, at least in my book. Your reactions. Um, I think those are all three good honorable mentions. I will say that I had Team Seneca's run at Nationals last year in my top three. I thought it would be a dark horse, but apparently you have Ooh. a really good memory, Bryce. Um, you know, what's funny is I have them in my top five also. So okay. yeah, I think it must, must have been a good story. All right. All right. Well, I, I'll lead off and, and, and then you guys give me yours. My, my fifth – um, was kind of a combination of two moments, and that was Team Sinclair at uh, the World Championships in Denmark. Um, you know, they they kind of got behind the eight ball a little bit and had a big day uh, capping it with a win over Canada and Chelsea Carey and the way they came back and, you know, kind of combining that uh, with the World Championships there for Team Sinclair, the, the injury at the at the end of their next-to-last game uh, against in, of, of the round robin when they played Scotland and Jamie, you know, errantly – a rock that was left out on the ice that she fell and was unable to play um, in that next game uh, against uh, Switzerland and Team Tiranzoni, which a win, and that's easier said than done because Tiranzoni went on to win the World Championship, but you know, a win would have gotten them into the playoffs at Worlds. And so uh, the way that uh, just kind of the week and being there in Denmark and watching the way some of the highs and lows to me, Team Sinclair and that win over Canada and then the unfortunate injury to Jamie, uh, that, to me that, that checked in at number five. You know, that's a good one, Price. I guess, you know, I, I certainly agree with that. I guess my number five was actually Seneca, and, and the one of the thoughts that I had about that and why it made my top five is they were the only ones who really uh, did anything against Sinclair last in terms of in nationals, in terms of beating them yep. uh, in the round robin, uh, put pressure on uh, Jamie. Uh, their style of play worked really well at nationals. Uh, yep. uh, Stephanie, um, you know, not afraid to draw towards the end of the uh, game, the Plays puts a lot of pressure on the other skip to make terrific shots. Uh, I I love their style of play. I I wonder how teams will adjust this year to that style of play because mm-hmm. I think it was something that was sort of um, different and people hadn't seen as much of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that maybe people have, will catch up in the in the five rock rule and they'll start figuring out how to how to defend against an aggressive team like that. Um, but that's that was my top five. My number five, excuse me, Jenna. Um, so my number five wasn't a, a particular week or tournament result. I think it was just the overall theme of, of maybe changes in the high-performance program. I think sure. especially with the creation of Maddie Bear's team specifically, mm-hmm. I think there's kind of been a shift to focusing on not necessarily just the, the top teams, obviously your Nina Ross and John Schuster's, but they're really focusing on what feels like developing those those athletes who are kind of in the bubble between juniors and then trying to get competitive in the men's and women's field. So that is my number five. Yeah. And I think that's a good one because go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, that's interesting because I I really do feel like there's sort of a window for the high performance program with athletes. And um, it sort of seems like you have to invest a little bit in the younger teams a little sooner than, than maybe we are used to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think it's probably a good idea to do that. Um, because I, I, I think that, um, you know, we see with, with you stepping away from the game, with Monica Walker stepping away from the game, there are some holes that we have to fill in this program. 
and we can't rely on on folks to just kind of maintain um, when we have young athletes ready to step up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of Jenna's perspective too is is having been a member of the program and you know just recently playing just a few months back before stepping away that the perspective you bring to this is you know obviously different than somebody say on the outside like Joe and I and and so that's what I think is, is the beauty of doing this and the perspective and the way you look at it I, for me number four I was the nationals in Kalamazoo and it wasn't anything specific. It just, what it was for me was just the overall atmosphere of the crowds, um, the venue, the way the Kalamazoo curling club embraced the event with open arms is every club. I feel like since I've been a part of this uh, with you guys uh, has done, but moving the moving nationals back into a more of a smaller intimate venue not some big huge 10,000 8,000 seat arena that's cavernous putting it in a place that might hold 2,000 2,500 you know standing room and that's what we had for the finals on that Saturday back in February i just thought the lasting memory of seeing all those young people especially when i go to canada for slams and i see so much more of an older crowd no, no offense to them, but the game being so different and, and attracting a younger flavor, that was what I was left with going away from Kalamazoo last year at Nationals, guys. That's a good one, and I think I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit, Price, and go into my number four and say that still the positive uh, repercussions of Schuster's gold medal at the Olympics. I think we're seeing the, the sport obviously grow faster than it ever has before. I remember when Nationals went down to Jacksonville, I think four or five years ago, and we saw like some young fans who were there to, of course, drink beer, but they were generally, genuinely interested in the game and learning about curling. That was the first time I really saw it in that part of the country. And now we're going to places like Kalamazoo and just all over the country, and you're seeing these young people excited about curling, and they actually know what's going on, which is kind of a refreshing uh, feeling when you're out there playing and people are cheering for the right things to cheer for. and uh, that's been cool to see. I think it's going to keep improving as well. Yeah. You talk about young people, John. One of the things that, that I guess will be my number four, and it's a little bit personal to me, but it's the emergence of the curling club at Penn State. I don't know if you've seen some of the social media that yeah. these guys do, but they're, they're pretty amazing. And yep. um, they're really trying to change the game to some degree to fit a college culture. And I really do uh, uh, commend them for trying this. It's It's going to be a bit of a culture shock, I think, uh, for traditional curling enthusiasts, uh, when they start seeing the way that Penn State is trying to change the game in terms of audience participation around uh, cheering like you do in a football game rather than you might do in a curling match. Um, but it's, they have a significant amount of, um, of members right now, and it's continuing to grow, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can bring to the college game. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I've seen you know some of the social media videos, and I agree with you. Yeah, but you, you need to try new things to attract you know new people to the game. And I, I think what what Penn State is doing, I think it's just fantastic. It's just it's just awesome, Jenna. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that college curling oftentimes gets overshadowed by men's and women's nationals or even junior nationals. So. To see even a social media presence, I think, is going to be really helpful with boosting the attendance and interest in even things like college nationals that we have here. 
All right. Yeah, I don't think Penn mm-hmm. State's going to be any threat to a national championship in college <laughs> court anytime soon, but they, they, they're definitely having the most fun of any uh, school out there, I think. That's fantastic. My, my number three, and a lot of these for me, is perspective of being there. And the only one of these in my top five uh, was there was, was one that, that I wasn't there. And it's just because of the emotion and, and being able to see some of the things unfold. But for number three, uh, it, team Peterson, I say Peterson air quotes, because it was the first time I believe uh, that they were playing without Nina. I believe I might have that wrong, but team Peterson winning and you song, you know, it's one thing to win, a world curling tour event, but you know, going over, to, you know, on the other side of the world to South Korea and winning the Yusong International, um, in not so much just the win, kind of uh, in a lot of ways, an emergence uh, of in growth of Tab taking over to skip for this team the rest of the year because who knows what the, what's going to hold for that team uh, the rest of the season. They've certainly had some fantastic results. Um, believe what made this run to the semis at, uh, at the Slam at the Tour Challenge. Um, I, just the way that, that Tab embraced some of those big shots um, and not just embraced them, made them uh, in key moments, I, I just think was a foreshadowing uh, to what could be to come for Team Roth, but and now obviously Team Peterson the rest of the way with Nina out. Yeah, actually that was in my top five right now, so I guess I'll just throw it in as my number three as well, is Team Roth slash Peterson, I guess. As a whole this year, if you ask me to bet and their performance up until this point, not that I would ever doubt their abilities, but I wouldn't expect them to be excelling at the rate that they are. I mean, a win in Korea, semis at the Tour Challenge, bronze just recently in Japan. Um, And like you said, like you said, Price, Tab embraces the big shots, but I think more importantly, the team embraces Tab and it just shows their resilience and their dedication to each other and also how versatile they all are in their different roles and supporting each other and i really like to see that joe you know what I, I, yeah i tend to agree with you this was on my top five too i i titled it no roth no problem um they they seem to figure out a way on a team that seemed to really depend on nina making clutch shots for that not to have to be the case for them to succeed right now i think they're ranked number seven in the wct rankings um, that's pretty unheard of for a, a U.S. team to be that high in the rankings this deep into the season. Um, and I'm very impressed. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do at Nationals. All right. Uh, my number two, I'm going to just put it this way and just say two words, the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, Team Dropkin. And the reason why I'm just saying it that way is it really it, it was one moment. It was winning the the Grand Slam of Curling's Tour Challenge where Jenna was there with us in, um, uh, in Nova Scotia, and they, went, they win the Tier 2. First ever men's team from the U.S. to win a Grand Slam. And I know some people like to put the asterisk because they said, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a regular slam. They won a, it was a Tier 2 event. Well, my retort to a lot of those people is, well, no other U.S. team won a Tier 2 event um, or won a Tier 2 Grand Slam. So, you know, they're the first to do it. And they've obviously had some great finishes. You know, they made a run to the semis at uh, the Stu Cells in Toronto before late, letting a late lead uh, slip away for against Team Cooey that, I mean, let's face it, that's happened to a lot of teams, but, you know, they won the, they won the Phil Drobnik Invitational and the Kuro Masabi Classic had a great run to what the championship final in, uh, in China recently. I, you know, team, the Young Bucks, hashtag Young Bucks being one word, but going back to Nova Scotia, man, just 
the way they play being Tanner Horrigan's rink and, and winning the Grand Slam Tour Challenge now that they'll be in the Canadian Open in two weeks uh, in Yorkton, t- uh, that was just an awesome, awesome moment. That was awesome, and I'm going to save that for higher up in my ranking. But my number two goes to, we already touched on it a little bit, is Team Seneca's run at the U.S. Nationals last year. Um, they were one of the... Only non-HP teams that I thought really played upset. Nobody really saw them coming or knew what they were capable of. Um, And I just think it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the teams that aren't in the high-performance program and are kind of questioning if it's worth it for them to compete at that level anymore or even go to nationals or anything like that. So, I, I mean, it stung a little bit when they kicked my butt, but it is really nice to see a non-high-performance team do well at the national stage. I think it's really good for the growth of the sport. Absolutely. Joe? You know, Jenna, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And my number two is the return of Cassie Potter. And it's sort of, um, I think we sort of saw hints of this last year around this time. And we were a little surprised that they didn't make the, uh, the jump to try to play at nationals. And uh, now they're, uh, they're qualified already for nationals this year. And they're, they're, you know, team outside the high performance program, but obviously with a lot of success, um, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how that, how that gels, you know, what kind of performance do you think that they can put together um, being uh, a team of such high quality and experience um, when they haven't been out there competing um, the same way that some of these high performance teams have. I'm curious to see how they, how it turns out in February. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, to me that's an interesting one. Um, you know, obviously it's a it's a different lineup, Joe, than what we saw. You know, the, what two years ago because, you know, when they they made a run, what was it in Xfinity back in uh, up in Everett, Washington, when we were there? And correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but weren't they undefeated? Uh, I mean, this is going back a couple nationals, but weren't they undefeated until? God, who was it got sick about midway through? They had to play with three, and I believe they were undefeated, and now they had a back-heavy schedule where I think they, their last three games were against high-performance teams, and they lost all yeah, three. But still, they were like, you're like, whoa, here's Cassie Potter once again. And I thought the magic was going to happen, but obviously that the way the schedule was and having to play three just kind of caught up with them. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with yeah, you. Yeah, it's a little different lineup time around. Yeah. But I do think – I think they have, she has Courtney George with her – uh, Jordan Moulton. Um, so I think, you know, that that's a team with some experience and, you know, has certainly played within the high performance program. Um, but, you know, now outside of it, I, I don't, I mean, obviously they have enough prep to get into nationals, but you know, what if, what have they done? You know, what are, what are they going to be doing? What have they done? That's going to prepare them. It's all about kind of your lead up, I think, into that event when you're, when you're talking about a field that's uh, frankly a little bit thin, uh, it's a little top heavy. Um, I'm curious as if, you know, what their schedule looked like, will they be in a situation like they were two years ago where they were undefeated with a few, with just a few games to go. Um, and what happens then? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see that. Those are the teams often that I'm is excited, if not more so for anybody at nationals is to see teams that we, that I say we, but don't get to see maybe at the high profile events, like at a slam or, you know, at some other events on tour during the year, because you know, that they're a perfect example of the experience that they have and, you know, what they've done before that that's a team that could be a, a Seneca from last year and getting into the playoffs and who knows what could happen. I mean, they, if they get hot and have a great week, uh, there's no telling. Um, 
I, I'll move forward. I'll just go ahead and give you my guys my number one. I mean, it's probably too obvious. I just think when you win a world medal or on the world stage, to me, um, unless it's something outside the norm, you know, to me, John Schuster and Corey Christensen winning bronze at the World Mixed Doubles uh, Curling Championships in Stavanger, Norway, you know, in late April, to me, that that ranks as number one. I, I just think anytime you win a medal. Uh, at a world championship, it, it's just hard for, to to take that away because that, in essence, in what we know is that's what the high performance program is about is bringing home hardware at world, international type competitions, and they did that. That's a good one. I forget how long twenty nineteen was. <laughs> Maybe I, I didn't go back to so one enough. year each year. Yeah. <laughs> Every year. Yep. <laughs> yeah, starts in January, typically ends uh, in December with sometimes an extra day in February, but sorry. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, now that I know the parameters, I'll be better prepared for the, the next top five that we do. Um, but as I've already prefaced, my number one is, of course, the Young Bucks. Maybe it was because I was there in Nova Scotia and saw them uh, stick it out through the week, but... I think that the reasoning behind it is because it's like really the first sense of I don't maturity that I've seen from them. I mean, they had their backs against the wall early on in the week and dug themselves out of it. They rallied together, and I don't know if I've necessarily seen that from them before. I think it was um, really professional play. Um, I don't know. It, it was really fun to see, and I maybe I am just making their heads way bigger than they need to be. But I am a Young Bucks fan through and through. And um, I think there's a lot of really big things in store for them. Well, clearly, because you wore the lid. But, Joe, I don't think there's any way to underestimate just – and it does not go against one other person on the team. It's, to me, it's just the addition of, of having a guy like Joe Polo, who has been around and the experience he brings to the Young Bucks – to me, that is an, that's an invaluable asset that there's no question quantifiably how much that has helped them as a team. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think this was my number one also, and I think uh, what I feel is different about this year is just the overall sense of consistency that I've seen throughout their season. Um, you know, they're competing um, with the best teams in the world. Um, they're, they're not getting blown out in any games. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're staying in it. They've had shots to win uh, and they've won some and they, you know, maybe they've lost a few, but really, um, starting sort of towards the, the second half of the competitive season last year. And now, um, through this first half, I guess, of the competitive season this year, uh, the consistency that I've seen out of them has been really, really impressive. All right, let me ask you guys a question real quick on this. Do, it, it, and I, I, I'm sure I'm going to get the answer that I'm that I'm thinking. But, but do you think? Do you see right now? Do you look at the Young Bucks as a team that legitimately, 100%, has a legitimate shot at winning the national championship, dethroning Schuster, getting past a team in in uh, Team Ruinen that has given them some problems? You know, the last couple meetings, although they did beat them in the final at Curl Masabi, you know, at uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Do you think that Dropkin is a legitimate team that can win this whole thing? Um, I think. Go ahead, Jenna. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I was just going to say absolutely. I think if you asked me before this season, I would say no. Um, I would say that I think they lacked experience and confidence, and now I think that they have everything that they need going into the weekend nationals to pull out a championship for sure. 
I have I have them in my final. I think that they are going to be in the final. Um, I'm not going to ruin who I think it's going to be against because I think we have a, uh, a forecasting segment coming up. Um, but I, I certainly think that they can contend and have a very good chance of winning nationals this year. All right. Uh, the, the, the field has spoken. Is it, so everybody's delivered their top five. Uh, we got to get to Madison Bear, uh, the Skippa Team Bear. We'll bring that interview here coming up in just a second. Uh, but don't forget, uh, you can listen to every episode of the podcast, tesn.us forward slash podcast. Uh, appreciate Speaker for ho- Spreaker for hosting us this year. I'm still trying to get this Apple podcast issue. I was on the phone with them earlier again today trying to get this whole thing worked out about why our episodes are not uploading. But hopefully that will be resolved any day now, uh, so you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, myriad of platforms. Uh, but make sure to follow us on Twitter, especially the 12th and Sports Network. You can get the links right there. But tsn.us forward slash podcast. Madison Bear, our guest interview coming up next. And then we're going to look at some bold predictions for 2020 and some other things going on around USA Curling, including the, the challenge round that is underway right now for both the men and women. That's coming up next here on the Extraction Podcast. Llegó la venta en Vuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Redbow después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Podcast. So many games to muddle through. Who's looking for an angle? Who's looking for an upset? We're looking for it every week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Hi, I'm TJ Reeves. Join me for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to picking those underdogs. My co-host Kevin Rogers is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, and we do a great job of analyzing and predicting at least three underdogs to look for every week in college football and in the pros. Plus, when the college basketball season rolls around, we got to keep picking underdogs all the way through the Final Four. It's Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe to our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And when picking those underdogs in the football and college basketball season, remember our podcast, Three Dog Thursday. Anything and everything involving USA curling and more is here on the Extra Extra In podcast. Here again are Price and Jenna. All right, welcome back into the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th Pin Sports Network. I'm Price Atkinson, and this is Madison Bear. Our feature guest this week is the skip of Team Bear getting ready for the challenge round coming up, which will start tomorrow as we record on Thursday. So, Madison, as you guys get ready uh, you know, to play in eight teams going for three spots, we'll talk about that in a second. But first off, Merry Christmas. Happy 2020. How was, was Santa Claus good to you, and, and what did you do for New Year's to ring in the new year? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Santa Claus was great to me. It was just a great holiday season, great Christmas, great um, New Year's. We had so much fun. Um, Andrew and I were lucky enough to go play mixed doubles in Charlotte, so we got to enjoy some 70-degree weather. I was just 
absolutely spoiled this break. <laughs> yeah, so it, tell me, because you, just being up the road for me, not very far, you guys were at the Southern Mixed Doubles. Uh, I believe Jocelyn Peterman or Brett Gallant, uh, they won it. How, what, what was Charlotte like? I mean, it's a little bit different for you guys coming down to the uh, – you know, to the Carolinas in a place that's a little bit warmer than Minnesota and Wisconsin this time of year. No, you guys had a great run through the round robin, but, you know, the experience of curling in one of those non-traditional areas around here. Yeah, it's always so much fun. And um, the people that are there are just so interested in the sport. They're so willing. Um, all the members were so helpful. The club is just beautiful. I would recommend anyone going down there because it was just awesome for us. And the weather is just, you know, the icing on the cake. It was just perfect. But um, we had a lot of fun. The ice was great, and I really would recommend it to anyone. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations to, to you and Andrew there. And, you know, you guys are getting ready to start that challenge round, you know, playing for a spot in the upcoming 2020 Nationals. And, you know, it really first your season, you know, kind of take us through this new team of yours. You know, five players, you're back to skipping after playing with, with Corey Christensen last year, uh, but is one of the three women's high performance teams, you know, that I, I guess would say more of a, a junior team. You're not juniors technically, but, you know, a younger youthful team. Take us through just kind of how the season has gone for you guys in your first year together yeah definitely um it's always kind of new like struggling when you have a new team you got a lot going on you have a lot of things that are happening a lot of different processes Mm -hmm. um so one of our biggest things has been not to get caught up in the outcome you know we are have been really close to qualifying but just haven't quite gotten over that hump yet but um this is probably the biggest season we've had so far for learning and just growing as a team and we kind of we're just really lucky it's different for every team on when they start to click and when things really start getting glued in but um I think you're going to see that really soon for us because we're just really close and we know it yeah you know as you guys uh get ready to play in that challenge round you you had a you had a great opportunity uh just what last month to go to China and play what what was it like to go over to Asia and you know have that experience again I I think Emily uh Coelho on your team had had mentioned to me look the scores may not reflect it but we 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 really played a lot better we were in a lot of games and you know we felt pretty good about where we were but just an amazing opportunity to go uh over to China to play against some great competition yeah, it really is. I mean, we're playing against some of the best teams in the world, and we know that. So we kind of were just able to fight our way through, and we had so many close games um, where we just came up a little short, and we did have some success there as well. But it was just – it was really fun. It was a great bonding experience for all the girls, and we really enjoyed the whole travel, everything. It just brings us closer together. Yeah, no doubt about it. As we continue with Madison Bear, give them a follow on Twitter at Bear Down Curl, uh, and also give them a like on Facebook as well. What kind of goals, you know, with the new team, you know, you talk about, you know, you're coming together for the first time and, and being a new team. What, what kind of goals did you all set out at the beginning of the season uh, in embarking on this 2019-20 campaign? Um, for us, it's really about trusting the process right now and not looking at our outcome goals. We mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, put any wins into perspective. We just want to literally go back to the basics and say, let's go out there, let's make some shots, let's do this, let's keep things simple and just enjoy our time together. And um, starting that way at the beginning of the season, it just it's almost a relief off your shoulders. Like, hey, we have a lot to work on and we can do this. You know, was was nationals? You know, I got to think that that making the twenty twenty nationals was was probably one of those team goals. It, it, you know, if for you guys in terms of not looking at the outcomes, but you know, to 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 play at at the nationals coming up in Spokane. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're hoping to be there, and I think um, 
I think we'll turn some heads in over there. We're really starting to play great, and I'm excited. All right, uh, you're back to skipping, you know, after playing with Corey Christensen last year. And, you know, you got to get out on tour really more full-time. You got to play in the Tour Challenge, the Grand Slam event, the Tier 1 event, too. Had, you know, I know a great moment when you guys uh, played, uh, took Chelsea Carey to an extra end and won it. I believe stole that end to win it. Um, but playing in a slam like that, getting the chance to get experience on tour, playing some of the top teams in your first year out of juniors last year, you know, what did that give you this year is, is you obviously are now skipping your team again? Yeah, my teammates last year were just wonderful. I mean, they taught me so much. They really took me under their wing to teach me about women's. It's such a different step up, uh, coming from juniors to women's and anything. And, um, my teammates are going through that this year, most of them, and they are really seeing the difference. The level of play, everything is just so much higher. So that's been really awesome. And just my teammates last year were so helpful in showing me the ropes. Uh, I hadn't played front end much, so I have a newfound respect for my front end this year. Uh, I realized how much work they do to help me make my shots and just all the work they're putting in, in on, on the ice and off the ice. So that was kind of a beneficial thing, too, last year, was being able to see both ends of a team. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, as uh, you guys are getting ready to play this weekend, you know, you got five players on your team. Have you kind of solidified at all, um, you know, the four that you're going to play going forward? I know a lot of the, t- you know, most of the high-performance teams have a fifth, you know, have cycled through, you know, gone with different lineups at, at different times to give everybody, you know, time on the ice. Do things start kind of coalescing and, and kind of coming together as far as knowing how you're going to play with the four moving forward, Like you know, especially this weekend and then obviously if you qualify for nationals yeah definitely it's always kind of a struggle to find out what lineup's going to be great because everyone has such great ability so it kind of just comes down to um, what's clicking at the time and whatnot but it's been really going well our lineup went to china and things were mm-hmm. moving along really well and um we are just so grateful too for each person on the team everyone has such important roles so having that five-person team is still so beneficial for us. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, as you guys uh, are going to be taking the ice tomorrow afternoon, the first game in Mapleton, uh, the challenge round, three, t- uh, eight teams, three spots for Nationals. How do you guys kind of approach this, you know, win and end, you know, event, you know, with, with the challenge round as a team, trying to minimize pressure and just focus on yourselves? Yeah, I think um, what we've kind of came to is just let's keep the game simple. Let's just go out there and make our shots, have fun, and um, – when and we're in and <laughs> just keep it simple. All right. Before we let you go, Madison, you got to tell me one thing because you played with Jenna Martin, my co-host here on the podcast <laughs> last year on team Christensen. Obviously she's uh quote unquote retired, uh, spending the year with me uh, here on the extra extra podcast, but tell me something I don't know, or maybe our listeners do not know about the esteemed Jenna Martin since you played all season with her last year. Oh my goodness. Me, I could name a hundred things, but we'll, go ahead and we'll take five. How about that? <laughs> oh boy. Honestly, um, I don't want to embarrass her too much. But she's just a great person. Um, she's actually pretty good at tennis. If you wouldn't believe that. Um, <laughs> she was so much fun to curl with. Um, I 
would curl with her in the future, hands down, whenever. Everyone should get to know her. She's just awesome. <laughs> I did not know the tennis thing. And, and second of all, I, there's no way you can embarrass Jenna. I think the only time I've ever seen her <laughs> embarrass Madison was putting a, uh, a Young Bucks lid on her and trying to snap photo after oh, photo when she was with us at the uh, Tour Challenge uh, a couple weeks ago back in uh, November. But she is just one that does not get embarrassed, Madison. <laughs> You know, that is probably very true. She really doesn't. <laughs> All right. Tell me this, too. What is, who is the one player on your team that is the easiest to embarrass, not named yourself? Oh, easiest to embarrass. Um, I'd say it comes really easy to Emily Quello. <laughs> we love her to death. But if we have to embarrass her, it comes pretty easy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to remember that. Next time, uh, next time I see her, I will definitely do something to try and embarrass her. But look, <laughs> Madison – Good luck this weekend. Uh, obviously, pulling for you. Can't wait to see how you guys do. I know it's going to be a great weekend uh, of curling there in Mapleton. But uh, no, we're pulling for you. And just good luck on the ice. And, and can't wait to see you real soon. Thanks so much, Price. We appreciate it. All right, great stuff with Madison Bear, the skip a team bear. Excited for them this weekend at Bear Down Curl. Follow them on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the different uh, you know places that you love to find your social media content. But when we come back, Jenna Martin and the godfather, Joe Calabrese, again, when we come back right here on the Extra Extra In podcast, you don't want to miss what we've got coming up in our final segment. Going to look ahead, 2020, maybe some bold predictions on what uh, our panel uh, thinks going into 2020 as we have turned the page to 2020. We'll be right back here on the Extra Extra In. We now continue with the Extra Extra In podcast. Here again are Price and Jenna. All right, welcome back in. Last segment of the Extra Extra In podcast. Price Atkinson joined by Jenna K. Martin as always, and also the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, here on our first edition of 2020 great interview with Madison Bear and uh, Jenna the fact that you're a really good tennis player I never would have guessed Tom Howell yes Jenna no it has nothing to do with your athletic ability that I wouldn't guess that but I had no idea that you were such a standout tennis fiend honestly I'm really glad that she kept it PG um, she must know that I have a lot of blackmail on her so I appreciate the <laughs> shout out Manny that is very kind well, she did say there was about 100 things that she can name off, but she she did keep it PG. I said, just things because it's a family show. Let's just keep it right there. Um, just real the other quick. 99 are in the part two of the uh, interview, right? <laughs> that, that, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll drip one out. We'll try and get Maddie to give us one maybe or maybe a bunch at nationals that we can use and slowly drip out the rest of the season. But, you know, as we, uh, as we look ahead and things coming up, um, you know, a couple of news and notes just to pass along the USA curling ambassador program launched and spearheaded by Olympian Tyler George. It is off and running. It was announced uh, just before Christmas. And if your club wants to host Tyler George, uh, uh, as part of the U.S. Curling Ambassador Program, all you got to do is go to usacurl.org, um, and that uh, you can request send a um, submit your request for Tyler um, right there uh, online, and it'll just ask you about your plans with Tyler, what you like him to do, um, and what you like him to be a part of um, while while he is in town. So make sure you take advantage of that. Our friend Tyler George and the USA Curling Ambassador Program. As we know, clubs around the country are, are still booming. I mean, this the Olympic wave kind of 
it, 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 it crests, but it, the wave continues a little bit further and further, I feel like, after every quadrennial. And, and certainly when you win a gold medal, that enthusiasm does not, uh, does not go lightly. It does not go away quickly. And so much enthusiasm right now that clubs have around the country uh, it's something to take advantage of. Um, also, the U, uh, the Winter Youth Olympic Games coming up starting next week, actually, uh, January the 9th uh, through the 22nd in, in Lausanne, Switzerland. Uh, Team USA will be represented there, and I'm working on an interview, Jenna, with uh, Katie Murphy, a member uh, of that team who will be representing uh, Team USA and USA Curling there. Um, at the Winter Youth Olympic Games starting next week in Lausanne, Switzerland. Hope to get that one scheduled and get that one done so we can bring you that one next week before uh, they begin play. Um, and then one final note, guys. i uh, not sure if you saw everything that transpired with the mixed doubles uh, qualification, the final event uh, held uh, – you know, right before Christmas that we didn't get to in that last podcast, but the last three spots booked for the upcoming mixed doubles nationals in Bemidji, Minnesota, uh, our friend Monica Walker and Alex Leichter, uh, they got one of the three berths. Also, um, Catherine Gorniova and Eli Clausen got another one, and then our buddy Jason Smith and Kim Rime uh, got the third berth. So the field of 12 teams now set for the 2020 mixed doubles national championships, gang. All right, now let's get to uh, what we really, I know you guys want to talk about, and that's the challenge round that is officially underway on the men's side. The women going to get going tomorrow, which would be Friday. Um, but the men are underway. Um, you have got, what, 16 teams vying for four spots on the men's side, and then you will have on the women's side eight teams vying for three spots on the women's side. Joe, you have Jenna and I kind of touched on this in the last podcast. Um, you know, obviously these are going to be this is going to be rounding out our field at nationals that we'll be intimately involved with with the broadcast and bringing you games wall to wall for seven straight days in Spokane coming up next month in February. What is your? How do you look at? Let's start on the women's side um, again. Those eight teams for three spots. How do you handicap it? Who do you see uh, moving through uh, in getting those three spots? You know, I listened to the podcast last week, as I do every week, um, and I, I recognize that both of you were a little unsure on the women's side, and I don't blame you. I looked at these these teams, and I realized that maybe that third spot is sort of um, up for grabs in my estimation, and there's a lot of teams that could vie for it. Um, what I know about Seneca's team, though, is that Stephanie is not playing in this event, Whoa. And their fifth is also not playing in this event. Um, Stephanie has a wrist injury, and so they're playing with three, and Maya is going to be skipping. Um, and uh, despite that, I still believe they have enough firepower to, to make it through this field um, and get one of those three spots. Um, the team that I'm sort of looking at is a dark horse is Emily Anderson, and maybe it's my East Coast bias, but I'm looking at, at her, uh, somebody with a lot of, of experience. She's also got a lot of mixed, uh, mixed national experience. But she's got Sherry Schumer and Stephanie Larson on her team, Claire Morris uh, from Denver. Um, I think that's an experienced team that has a good chance. I think Emily is, always has great strategy, um, also can make the big shots when necessary. And then, boy, that third spot is really up in the air, isn't it? Like, 
I loved what I saw out of Ariel Traxler last year, but she's got a completely different team. I'm not sure what to what to think of that. Uh, obviously, Madison Bear and Cora Farrell um, would be you know favorites, I think, to get that third spot also. Um, and boy, I remember a run from Christine McMakin a couple of years ago, which was a lot of fun. Um, boy, I guess I if, I if I had to tell you Farrell or Bear. Uh, which would you pick? Because I, I honestly don't know. Who? Jenna? Oh, you guys are putting me on the spot. Um, I, I think that I am leaning towards maybe Farrell pulling that one out. I think that, um, you know, obviously they, they didn't perform as they would have liked at the World B Juniors, but I think that... They've had a lot of great games so far this season, and uh, I think that's who I would bet on. Yeah, that's a coin toss. I mean, it's, it's so hard. I mean, Bayer has not qualified. Maddie talked about that just in the interview, just, you know, in that last segment. Uh, you know, this would be it really, I, I would consider this a qualification for them, you know, if they were to make it. I. To me, I just think there's there's too much talent there uh, for them not to somehow get through. I mean, they've struggled, and that's putting a lot on them. You know, as she mentioned, we haven't been looking at what the the end result is. We've just tried to kind of really take it game by game. But something tells me that they find a way, and they and they do get through. Joe, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go for it. No, that's that's fine. I I, I look at these draws as like sort of interesting too. Just coming out of a, a club nationals regional and realizing how important a draw can actually be, and you know where teams can drop out of if they happen to lose a game early, and what that might mean in terms of how, having to play a certain amount of games. And boy, you know if you can get into you know that, those first two wins at a event, you can you can give yourself a few shots at making nationals. So, you know, a team like uh, Seneca or Farrell who might, they would have most likely have to face off against each other in that, uh, that, that second game of the a draw. Um, Well, that's an important game uh, is, you know, the loser of that game is going to drop down to B and have to play a heck of a lot more games in order to qualify. Well, I'll tell you guys this, and you mentioned East coast bias. I'm surprised this wasn't a team out of your mouth. Maybe it's a little East coast bias for me, but to me, I think a dark horse team to look out for is, is team Strauss, um, Delaney Strauss, Sydney Mullaney, uh, Susan Dutt, and Rebecca Rogers. To me, that that's a team that I think could could very well be one of the three that gets through. Um, they're a young team, uh, you know, young junior team. I, to me, that that's one to look out for, Jenna. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like we've pretty much tossed yeah. out names of the entire field <laughs> at this point. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, like Joe said, it's it's anybody's for the taking. Now that we know that Stephanie Seneker is out with an injury and their fit isn't able to make it, um, that's a real bummer, obviously, because I thought that they were a clear favorite. Um, yes, I do still think they have enough juice to get through and qualify. Um, However, I don't think we've seen enough of these teams play consistently or we haven't seen enough success from all of them throughout the season to be certain about who's going to make it through. All right, now let's get to the men's side because that's where that's where let's go ahead and start drawing straws. Um, 16 teams for four spots. Um, Joe, ready, set, go. <laughs> All right, so I had four teams picked before uh, they, things started today, and I had okay. Violet, um, Marquis, Berklid, and Sinnott. And one of the problems that I have right off the bat is that uh, Violet played Sinnott in the second round, and Violet beat them. So you know, Sinnott's going to drop down to the B. 
Berkeley dropped down to the B in the very first game. So <laughs> all my teams are already down in the B event. Um, and as I talked about, man, these draws, like if you wind that wind up in the B event, like you can play like four or five extra games that you wouldn't have had to play if you could just win out <laughs> that A event. Um, but I, I really like, you know, like what I saw out of Berkwood last year. And if they can somehow find that fire again, um, I like their chances even out of that B event. Um, uh, Violet, I, I just, they, they're playing Jed Brundage in this next game that they're playing tomorrow, at, uh, Friday at 3 p.m. Yep. Um, boy, that's a great matchup in an A semifinal. Yep. I, you know, Jenna and I talked last week uh, or in the last podcast, Jenna, I, I, Violet and Senate to me were, 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 were like Joe, two of the four for sure in my book. Um, I just had a feeling that Brundage was going to be one of the four, um, and then take your pick on the fifth. I mean, it could be anybody. Like Berkeley, the way he played last year, he plays that way uh, like he did at Nationals. He's in. Um, I mean, the way uh, you know you talked about what's kind of transpired so far, I mean, three draws are in the books, Joe. Um, but if you were looking at it beforehand, man, a lot of different ways that you could go. I, I guess one question I've got um, – you know, Jenna answered it too, and and Jenna, you weigh in. But Joe, do you think Team All Pro makes it? I think that's that's kind of the big question on the men's side that everybody's looking at. Are these guys going to break through? Because Jason Smith told me that they were. He told me back in November that they were really, really close. Um, I just don't see it. Um, they won their they won their second game uh, against the team from Georgia, but. Um, that team doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of experience. I, I don't see them being able to maintain the level of play that they're going to have to maintain now that they're in that B bracket to make it all the way through. Um, they're just going to have to play too many good teams dropping out of A. Um, and if they happen to lose, they're going to be <laughs> just, again, um, further and further back in the draw. Uh, I just don't see it this year. Um, they, I'm sure that they're making progress. I believe Jason when he says that they're close. Uh, I just think this field is a little too deep. Jenna? Yeah, I agree. I think the field is too deep, and I think that they are running out of time. Uh, give them four more years, or I don't know. I, I just think that they need a lot more time. Um, since we first saw Jared Allen hit the ice, I think it's pretty incredible with how much he's improved, but I think you need a few more years of experience to see that team accomplish anything or um, anything significant, I should say, and qualify for nationals. Yeah, I, I I still believe that ultimately at the end of the day, um, while I, I know that most of the hearts are in it, I ultimately think that, that Jared Allen, what happens is that he sticks with it and ends up playing on the front end for somebody you know, at the end of the day, and that might not be the end of the day. Might be not uh, this year. Might not be next year. It could be a couple of years down the road. But I mean, that's just to me what I forecast really seeing ultimately um, with this whole experience. And I do think it's an awesome experience and attention that they brought to the game. Um, all right, let's go ahead and flip the page and uh, kind of look ahead to 2020. And you know, I asked you guys before we started recording, you know, what you thought. Uh, bold predictions were for 2020 and you know give me all I'm asking is for one like what maybe bold prediction do you have do you forecast or you know think could possibly happen in a pipe dream or do you think will happen um I've let off way too many times I'll let one of you guys start Jenna do you want to you want to kick us off give me one just one bold prediction you've got uh for 2020 when it comes to USA curling 
sure. I don't know if it's even that bold anymore, but okay. I feel pretty confident in predicting that the U.S. women are going to win a world medal. Wow. Stole mine. Joe? Well, no, elaborate. Uh, Jenna, you yeah, general elaborate. You stole my thunder, but go ahead. Hey, your, your reasons why. The reasons why. Um, well, we've touched on the success of Tab and her squad throughout the entirety of the season. Um, Jamie has just started to see some success. They're obviously a very talented team. If they happen to beat um, Tab's team at Nationals, then, I mean, good for them. But Jamie also has the experience as skipping on the world stage. Um, she got super close to getting a medal when we were in North Bay, Canada a couple years back. So I think that, I mean, if either one of those teams win, I would say it's almost a guarantee that the U.S. women are going to bring home a medal. Uh, I, I tend to agree with with, uh, with Jenna on that, but I, I would say my bold prediction okay. is that uh, at the U.S. Nationals final, okay. uh, Team Schuster will not be in the final. Wow. Not anything against uh, Schuster in particular. I just think that those young bucks are making their run, and I think that they're hot, and I think that this is their time to kind of show uh, show USA Curling what they're all about. I think this is the year they, they break out. Whether or not they win the final, I think I'm going to wait out of my prediction maybe uh, for a little bit, but I think the other team that will be there is Ruinen. Uh, so I think that's going to be my final. It's going to be Dropkin uh, versus Ruinen in that final. Wow, that is bold, Jenna. That is bold on behalf of the Godfather. <laughs> I look, I mine was the same as Jenna's. I think the U.S. women win a medal at the upcoming World Championships this year in British Columbia. Whether it's Nina Roth, whether it's Team Sinclair, I shouldn't say Nina Roth. Whether it's Tab, uh, you know, skipping Nina's team and. Um, I think one of them, I mean, of course, we could have a, a big surprise in Nationals, and it could be somebody else, but I, I tend to think it'll be one of those two, and, you know, the experience of both, and especially the way the fearlessness of Tab, I, I think somebody's going to get on that podium uh, and bring home a medal. All right, uh, bold predictions now as we uh, we close up shop, our first episode uh, of 2020. Uh, my NFL-loving uh, co-host tonight, uh, Joe, do your Bills, do they have a chance against Deshaun and the Houston Texans this weekend? And, Jenna, do you want to go ahead and talk trash that the Packers are going to go ahead and book their ticket into the Super Bowl? Guys, the floor is yours. <laughs> Fight it out. Uh, I, I will start. I am a <laughs> big Bills fan, as we all know, and uh, I believe in them. This For this particular game, I think that they're going to bottle up uh, Deshaun Watson. They're going to uh, making a, a real quarterback and not a running quarterback. And I think that uh, we have the back end in terms of secondary to defend against uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I think we're going to pull it out. I think the game is going to be a low scoring game. That's the only kind of game that our bills know. Uh, so it's probably going to be about uh, 24 to 17, something like that. And Watson will have the ball uh, at the end of the game and the defense will hold. That's, that's, my prediction. Oh, I love it. I love it. Jenna. Yes, I have I have no comments left to make about football anymore after our Rose Bowl loss yesterday. Not the NFL obviously, but I'm feeling deflated, guys. I've got nothing to add. Yeah, I was pretty I I, I was pulling I I truth be told was pulling for the Big Ten in that game and was pulling hard for whiskey and 
you know, it wasn't so much that Oregon won it. Wisconsin lost it. When you turn it over four times, For it is sure. a recipe to get beat. And you guys <sighs> handed them the ball game. Joe, real quick, uh, did what did Penn State do? Did the Nittany Lions, you guys won your bowl game too, right? Yeah, we did. We did. It was an early uh, bowl game. Uh, we didn't quite make the Rose Bowl, but uh, uh, we did what we needed to do, and we, we took out a, a team we needed to take out, and that's just the way Penn State rolls. Yeah, they didn't roll that <laughs> way last year when they lost to my alma mater in the Kentucky Wildcats in the Citrus Bowl. So don't, I knew you weren't going to let that don't talk, knew you weren't gonna let that go, right? You, you got that right. Don't talking about rolling. So, all right, let's roll on out of here as we've uh, we've been doing this for quite a while. Hope everybody's enjoyed it. Uh, the Godfather, Joe Calabrese, Joe, man, awesome to have you back. Jenna K. Martin, Happy New Year to you. Great episode as always, and we'll be back again next week. But, guys, uh, this has been fun, Joe. you got you got to make a few more regular appearances with us, especially now that we got our technology issue worked out after about 15 minutes, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved to have come on, you know, two weeks ago when I was looking for the podcast bump. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we wound up only in second place in our regional playdown. So, you know, I, I guess it's okay. That's you right. You me, so that was good enough. I did have it in that my notes to congratulate. Well, I appreciate that. I had, I had it in my notes to congratulate you on that great run uh, at club uh, club playdowns, man. That, uh, that was an awesome run. And, uh, Jenna, many more uh, great glasses of wine to you uh, this weekend, and especially as you begin your half-marathon training. Uh, good riddance is all I have to say there because uh, you're going to have some fun in the days ahead. Yeah, cheers. She's a, a woman of many, many <laughs> words. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, the Extraction Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network. We will see you again next week. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Pice Atkinson and Jenna Martin. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on news, guests, and upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. And contact us for more information on how to join the 12th In Sports Network.